From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars looking through the grind of the season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson. You probably see me on your TV screen talking about football. But before I put on the suit and tie, I was actually an NFL wide receiver for more than a decade. But back when I was catching touchdowns, Uninterrupted didn't exist. That meant guys like me needed the media to share our thoughts as players and as people. It was the only way to reach the fans. But that has all changed. And now athletes can keep it all the way real. And we do it right here with the top NFL stars on 17 Weeks. By now, you know who we rocking with. We all knew it was coming. Jalen finally got his wish. The Jags traded him to the Rams. I'm excited to get out there and do my thing for the LA Rams and show them that they got the best corner in the whole NFL for years and years to come. In Buffalo, it's Cole Beasley. Cole's coming off a bye week, sitting pretty at 4-1. How you feeling, Cole? Overall, it was a good break, man, and I was glad to, to get away from it for a little bit. I had my first go at some baby back ribs. They were pretty good. They could have been better. I think I, I could have cooked them at a little, little lower temperature. Out in NYC, we got Le'Veon Bell. Lev's Jets got their first dub of the season, beating the Cowboys with Sam Darnold back under center. I was like head over heels, like I was like in the clouds, in the locker room. Just I was so excited and just screaming at everybody. I was telling everybody, like, I told y'all, just wait. But back on the field, we're gonna talk about Russell Wilson and how he's cooking right now. Plus, the guys react to Todd Gurley claiming NCAA stands for not concerned about athletes. Hey, it's true. And Cole Beasley, my dude got a track with Post Malone. Yeah, that's right. Plus, as always, I'll throw in a story or two from my playing days. We got it all right here on 17 Weeks. 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday, and you can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM or for free on Pandora. 17 Weeks is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and share the show on social media, fam. All right, let's get to this week's episode. It's been a crazy week for Jalen Ramsey. My man was traded, and now he's a Los Angeles Ram, and we have the exclusive. Hey, Jalen, what's up? I'm checking in after a huge, I mean, big, big day for me. Been traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the LA Rams. I'm currently just walking outside right now. I'm, I'm filled with joy. I'm overjoyed right now. God is the greatest. God makes no mistakes at all. No mistakes at all. I've been so blessed. Uh, I, I was so blessed to be drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2016, fifth overall pick. Uh, but now I, I got a new chapter starting in my life. Going out to L.A., going to be a part of the L.A. Rams. Uh, excited to be a part of that defense. Coach Wade Phillips, Coach Sean McVay, Coach Arby Pleasant. Man, I'm, I'm excited to get out there and do my thing for the L.A. Rams and, and show them that they got the best corner in the whole NFL for years and years to come. I can't wait to show my teammates that. And you got the, you got the D-line. Everybody know about them, led by Aaron Donald. You know they're official. Man, the offense, you know how they, you know they going to rock. Jared Goff, he was the first pick in the 2016 draft. Now we get to link up. Man. I, I'm, I'm super excited about this, man. I can't, I can't really contain my emotions right now. I'm ready to get there. I'm ready to, to see what this culture is about that everybody's raving about and everybody's telling me about. I can't wait to be a part of it. I can't wait to get in the locker room, get with them guys, uh, 
you know, get 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 my jersey, get my uniform. Number 20 for the LA Rams. Um, I'm going to the West Coast, baby. Uh, I'm just super excited, man. I'm super blessed, man. And I definitely can't forget to thank my family, my friends, all my supporters, my agent, David Mulegetta, the best in the the best in the game by far. Um, everybody who supported me through this journey and been with me through this journey, they know it's been tough. Um, I've had to persevere. I've had to get through it. But I've had people by my side the whole time really supporting me, and it's made it truly easy. Um, and it's kept me sane, really, through this through this storm. But, uh, you know, the sun always shines again. And um, I'm just super thankful and super blessed, like I keep saying. Uh, and I just really want to say I appreciate everybody who supported me through this whole journey and will continue to support me. Thank you. I like this move, man. I hate that the Jags lose such a good player because he would have went down as one of the greatest Jags of all time. But sometimes you just got to move on. Let's go back to New York where the 0-4 Jets were basically written off by everybody up against the Cowboys in week six. But Sam Darnold was back. Lev and those Jets, they got the dub. And they showed everybody that they were turning things around in NYC. Man, I'm so glad we finally got this first win just because of the fact that we finally got that kind of monkey off our back, you know? We watched the film. Obviously, uh, I watched it last night, too, but I watched it again today. It was still, like, a lot of plays we kind of left out there. We still made minor mistakes. Obviously, getting Sam back was a, a huge, um, huge thing for us. Having your signal caller back. We made, like, you know, a couple mistakes here and there, but we played well enough to win the game. You know, our defense played well again. Um, our defense usually do, our, do their thing. And offensively, we got some things we got to clean up. That's all. But, but I'm, I'm overall satisfied, obviously, because we won the game. So we just we understand that we didn't play nowhere near a perfect game, but the fact that we only played, you know, just kind of good, I guess, and we still won the game, it gave us a lot of confidence, you know, and that's something to build on going into this next week. So we're going to go um, fix fix the things we kind of messed up, obviously sprinkle in some new wrinkles and, and, and get prepared for next week's game. But it was a you know, good game, and I'm happy with it. Like with Sam, with Sam when he plays – it's a little different because, I mean, the, we can kind of open up the playbook a little more, you know. So we're not so condensed of, like, short throws or, you know, just all screens or having to run me and run me the ball with eight, nine guy in the box, you know. I think when Sam was out there, we're able to open it up a lot more. So the defense don't really know what's coming. They can't really blitz the whole time or they can't just really pin their ears back and rush the passer because, you know, we are sprinkling a run here and there. We will throw some screens. Sam gets the ball down the field. And even times where, say if Sam was under pressure, he has like this unique ability to be able to feel it and kind of step up in the pocket or slide to the left or right and still able to make crazy accurate throws. You know, I was watching the film. It was just some of the throws he was making was unbelievable. But that's that's just him being a special player. So, of course, a lot of players can't do the things that he does. And I think the old line did a great job of protecting him, too, keeping him upright, you know, giving him time to throw. Um, and when times when he did break down, he was able to use his feet and make some plays. A little too close for comfort as the Cowboys failed a two-point conversion, and it sealed the deal for the Jets. Lev talks about that final play and the post-game vibe in the locker room. On that two-point conversion, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was nervous. And I didn't even I didn't even expect the Cowboys to score. I thought our defense was going to stop them. But when when they did end up scoring, 
I know for a fact that how like prideful our defense is, and that I, I knew for a fact like they were going to hold those guys from on the two point conversion. They were like, okay, they got in the end zone, but they're not getting this next play, you know, because that's just the way our defense carries ourselves, you know. And I, I'm a guy who competes against these guys every day, so I I would know, and I had all the confidence in the world that you know we was gonna get that stop. The whole organization deserved the game ball for real. I mean, this was our first win, and it was hard earned. Don't get me wrong, and well deserved, just because the fact that. You know, it's been a lot of new faces in this organization. You know, new GM, new head coach, new coaching staff, period. We have a lot of new faces. So, I mean, I think as an organization, it was just a special moment to finally get that first win under our belt. Now we're all looking forward to kind of like trying to stack it. But in the locker room, <laughs> I was like head over heels. Like I was like in the clouds in the locker room. Just I was so excited and just screaming at everybody. I was telling everybody, like, I told y'all, like, I told y'all, just wait. I like where our team is heading and we're only going upward. Like it was like last yesterday, I was literally thinking, like, I can't remember the last time I didn't really have an explosive play like myself and won a game. You know, like yesterday, it was kind of, I was like out there, it was like a quiet game for me, you know, but we won the, we won the game. It was like, you know, it was crazy to me. I was just thinking like, like when the last time I really had to do that, you know, it had, it had to be like, I don't even know, you know, and that's how, that's how I know like guys around me and the old line and Sam and the defense and everybody just kind of coming together and gelling together as one and we're all moving as one, you know, and that's what had me so excited and, and, and happy yesterday just because of the fact that I know, like, this team only going to get better. And we got a tough uh, game next week, and I'm looking forward to it. Cole Beasley was chilling in week six. He and the Bills had a bye. Now they're 4-1, hosting the Dolphins in week seven. Some guys were traveling last week, not Cole. He was at home, chilling in Buffalo, getting ready to get back to work. Let's check back in with Cole and see how he's feeling coming off of those days off. It feels good to kind of get a break. You know, it's it's kind of early in the season, uh, the regular season, but really with the preseason and camp and everything added in, it's actually perfectly halfway between. Um, so I think it came at the right time. I know I needed it. I had a few bangs here and there. You know, I was just glad to, to get this whole week. And the way uh, Coach McDermott set it up, you know, it really gave us a chance to get healthy and, and refresh and really reset mentally. So it's not only good for the body, but it's also good um, you know, mentally as well. It was good to just hang out at home and be with the fam. And we went to a pumpkin patch, took the kids there to, to go get some pumpkins and had some donuts and some some cider there. You know, that's, that's really the only thing we did. Other than that, we just hung out at the house. The weather was beautiful, so we were just outside. Um, I actually got a new smoker a few weeks ago, a uh, Yoder smoker, and I've been been waiting to kind of figure that thing out. It's my first time, you know, doing that. I usually just use the the gas grill or whatever, but I had my first go at some baby back ribs. They were pretty good. They could have been better. Here's more from Cole. Actually, I made a song yesterday um, that actually I like a lot. The real reason I got to finally do this is because I finally got my whisper room built. Um, it's a eight by 12 foot enclosure. It's a sound isolation booth. And it sounds fantastic. You know, before I was down in my basement and I, I couldn't really put all the energy I wanted to into ever, every record because it's traveling through all the AC vents and everything and my kids are sleeping upstairs. So I really had to find something to kind of figure that out. I didn't really have this issue at my house in Dallas. So I never had to do it, but it's really been a great investment and it looks awesome. So the vibe in here is cool and and it's really quiet. I don't hear anything out there. They don't hear me from out there, so... 
it really gave me the creative space just to kind of let the energy flow and be me. Overall, it was a good break, man, and I was glad to, to get away from it for a little bit. On third down, Russell Wilson throws, touchdown Seahawks! His second touchdown of the game. Russell Wilson has been unreal this season. As a guy that played for the Seattle Seahawks, sitting back and watching him is like watching an artist paint. Like, y'all don't get it, man. You're witnessing greatness. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. He's in the zone. Just watch how he manipulates the defense. And I use that word purposely, manipulates the defense. Not just with his feet, because we know he's athletic. Not just with his arm, because we know he got a rocket, but with his mind. Russell Wilson keeps. Can he reach the end zone? Yes, Seahawks touchdown run from Russell Wilson. He called a whole drive by himself without the headset inside his helmet working. Let me break that down for you. When a head coach or offense coordinator calls a play, the quarterback hears it. He goes into a huddle, he relays that message. That's every quarterback for every team. That's been happening since the existence of this technology. Russell Wilson, in the most crucial moment of the game, the audio goes out. Can you imagine that? Some of y'all get rattled when you're looking at a fast food menu. And y'all sitting there like, uh, uh. Like y'all ain't never ate at a fast food place before. Russell Wilson is going up against dudes that are getting paid millions of dollars to stop him. And he just said, I just started calling plays. Here's Le'Veon breaking down Russell Wilson in that crazy drive. Russell Wilson's was kind of special just because of the fact that it's like, like a big drive in the fourth quarter or something. And um, the fact that you go out there line your guys up, like call the formations and get guys in the right place. Not only knowing, okay, if it's first and 10, what the defense is going to present to the offense, but knowing like, okay, if it's second and six, what's our play calls for second and six and under? Or what's our play calls for third and long? Or what's our play calls for third and short? And getting guys lined up and running them, that's special. That, that lets you know, like, he's a guy who takes his craft seriously. And there's not too many players like that. He's obviously a special player, and that's why the Seahawks been having such great success because they have a player like him. Here's Cole on a similar situation he played through in Dallas. You know, when Tony was the quarterback for the Cowboys and I was there, it didn't matter if there was communication or not. Tony was calling a lot of the stuff, you know, when we were out there. There were a lot of situations where we were in plays and Tony would get us out of them, get us into better plays all the time. So that was kind of like normal for what he did. And that was what made him you know, really good. And people are starting to see that, you know, coming through with his commentating on games as well and just his knowledge of the game. And when you have a quarterback or a guy like that that knows so much and, and can see what the defense is doing and understands how uh, defenses work, you know, it's good to kind of give them that role to be able to, to change things or that freedom, you know, whenever they see fit because, you know, it's a lot harder for a coach to see a lot of things from the sideline. You know, and you're a quarterback, you got a great view at everything back there. And, um, you know, sometimes the quarterback can get you in, in the best play. So Russell Wilson gutted the Browns and their fans in week six. And a lot of people are loving seeing Cleveland lose this year. That includes a lot of guys in the league, too. After so many people in the media hyped up the Browns, I'm not going to lie, including myself, and Baker Mayfield doing a lot of talking in the offseason, some players are putting a little bit extra on the beating of the Browns. And you know what I think? The Browns got a big target on their back. But I want to hear from our guys. 
Yeah, I feel like those guys don't really pay too much attention to it. Odell is like, he, he's like one of those guys who like, you know, he just living life. He's kind of free, you know? So, I mean, he got, he's like a superstar, like not just on the field, but off the field too. So it's like everything he does, people kind of like picks at it, right? You know, when they play against, you know, with Odell or, you know, the Browns now, because he's, you know, he's, Odell's there or whatever. It's, I don't think their bulletin material necessary because of him, even though it's, it's, it's added on because of him too, because he's such a superstar, like I said. But like, you know, you got like guys like Baker Mayfield. Like, I, I don't think like a lot of people in the NFL kind of, people kind of sense Baker Mayfield is kind of like cocky, you know? And I like Baker. I like Baker to death. Like, I mean, I feel like he got a, he got the attitude like he don't care. Like he with his team and he's trying to win games. But when teams play against that, they use that as motivation and bulletin board material, you know? Because I don't, I don't really sense that they're trying to, attack another team like they're not trying to really attack another team or anything it just they are who they are they're trying to be themselves for real i mean and either you like it or you don't and those guys are on the same team and that's all they care about is themselves like their team so if they're going to get somebody else and they don't like it they don't necessarily care you know um and that's how it should be for real cole played for the cowboys he always had a target on his back right I feel like at the Cowboys, you know, you always felt like you were going to get every team's best shot. I mean, when people label you America's team or whatever, whether it fits or not, um, you know, I feel like teams are coming in to prove otherwise every time. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll see when I play the Cowboys this year, but uh, I've never felt that way about another team, and I wouldn't feel that way about the Browns either. Yeah, there's a lot of hype around their team, but everybody's paid. You know, it's because of the players they got and the star power they have, but... You know, you still got to prove it on Sundays. You know, you can't win with just names. So uh, it doesn't really matter to me what team we play. I want to win no matter who we're playing, whether they have they have names or not. I mean, it doesn't matter if they if they don't have any names if they still beat you. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't really get into that that stuff much. I'm not worried about beating hype te- hype teams or whatever. I want to beat every team. Hey, whatever motivates you, fam. And here's the thing. I know exactly where they're coming from. I'll take you back to my second year in the league, playing for the Minnesota Vikings. We going up against the Green Bay Packers for the third time. It usually doesn't happen. They beat us twice during the season. One time in Lambeau, one time at home, both by a field goal. We make the playoffs and guess who we draw in the wild card round? The Green Bay Packers. Now this is my first time in the playoffs. My head coach, Mike Tice, that dude was a gangster. For real, for real. And he knew exactly how to motivate his team. Check this out. We're getting ready for the wild card game. The young cornerback, his name was Ahmad Carroll. He was talking a little trash, which I'm fine with. But it got to the papers. And once it gets to the papers, it gets to the bulletin board, right? What do all coaches say? Don't give the team you're playing what? Bulletin board material. Say it with me, classroom. Bulletin board material. I'm sitting in the meeting room. I'm like two days away from the game. Now, trust me, I'm ready, I'm hyped. But Coach Mike Tice knew I'm gonna do a little bit extra to get Nate ready for this game. He peeks his head into our receiving room. We're sitting there watching film. He has a paper in his hand and he throws it at me. And he's like, you gonna let this rookie talk to you like that? And I'm like, huh, what? He was like, they're starting corner. Said he's gonna lock you down. In other words, excuse my language, he was like, don't be no bitch. And as a second year player, everybody's looking at me. Randy Moss is peeking back. My receivers coach was like, hmm? And I look at Coach Tice, I'm like, 
Alright He closes the door Slams it though Mind you He probably wasn't even mad He probably closed that door Had a smile on his face And walked back into his office But guess what A young Impressionable Wide receiver What did I do I internalized that I took that home Put it on my counter Packed it in my bag And guess what All due respect to my curl He was a good young corner I cooked him that game Got in the end zone And we beat the Breaks off the Packers. So listen, when somebody talks, or some team talks, or in this case with the Browns, people talk for or about that squad, and the hype train gets real, other teams can't wait to derail it. And that's real talk. Last week, Todd Gurley made some headlines when he wore a shirt that read NCAA. And on it, NCAA, it stood for not concerned about athletes. That's been a big topic among players since California passed the law allowing college athletes to be compensated in the future. Our guys, they weighed in on the NCAA and athletes making money in college. It seems like, you know, NCAA makes a ton of money promoting certain teams and with certain players. If you're in the NFL and you're getting promoted on the, on the NFL channel on a commercial of, of stuff like that, we're getting paid for it. You know what I mean? So I don't really see why it should be different for college athletes, especially when the NCAA football is such a big business, you know, just like the NFL is. Even though they're in school and they're college athletes, like, I mean, I don't know. You couldn't really still get a job because you're doing so much of school and football. But, I mean, that would to me, that's more of a reason to, to give them, you know, a little something, you know what I mean, especially if you're using them to make money off of them. This is all I know. You know, growing up as an athlete, you know, they always say student athlete or whatever, education's important. Like, you, you got to put that first. But I don't know many football players. There are some, right? But I don't know many that actually put their education first before football. The only reason we got to get our education in college is because of football. A lot of us didn't have the money to go to a school. and let, I know I wouldn't have been able to go to SMU if it weren't for a scholarship. That place is so expensive. <laughs> I don't want to get too deep in it because I'm not a big fan of school. I never have been, but you got to do what you got to do to to get where you want to go. And that was that was just a roadblock you had to get through. But really, if there was, to be honest, if there was no football for me, I don't know if I would have made it through college. Here's Lev, who sees both sides on this one. Man, people, are, everybody look at it differently, and I don't want to pick and choose sides, right? But there's always good points on both sides. I think when they play football and basketball, it, it should be compensated a little bit. I'm not necessarily say it should be an NBA or NFL salary, but I think they should at least have a little money in their pockets to be able to go out and do something, right? And I also look at it as they're paying for education. You know, colleges, they're paying for the kids' education. They're going to school for free and getting all the books for free. They're staying somewhere for free. So it's like two sides to it, right? That's why I don't, I'm not against the NCAA and I'm not for it either. It's just, I'm neutral to it. You know what I'm saying? I don't went, like when I was there, when I was in Michigan State and I was in college, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about trying to get a paycheck until I got to the NFL. That's, that, my goal was to get to the NFL. But when I was in college, I was just doing everything I needed for a college athlete to do. I was going to class. I was going, you know, to the cafeterias or, you know, whatever it was. I didn't really necessarily care like, oh, they're not paying me to play football. Like, no, I didn't really care about that. I was just, I just knew, like, okay, I know what I want to get. I know I want to get to the NFL. Then I'll get paid and I can help my family out. That was my, you know what I'm saying, my thoughts when I was in college, you know. But now you look at it and 
I mean, NFL stuff, it's like, man, college, man, that was hard. Like, but it kind of made me who I am today, you know? And I think, you know, some people appreciate it and some people don't, but I was a guy who, who appreciated it. You know, I, I think that made me work that much harder and, and made, help, you know, mold me to the, to the man and the person, the father, the brother I am today. You know what I mean? I needed all that. If I, I felt like if I was getting paid in college, I may not have turned out the same way. I appreciate Lev and Cole keeping it real on this topic, but here's the thing, man. I understand the business of it. Trust me, I do. I played 11 years in the league, so I was able to see behind the scenes how much money the NFL makes. And you know what's crazy? Right around year five, year six, I started to think about how much money college made. And it never dawned on me while I was in college. But once you become a businessman, you start to understand the business, man. And think about this, college athlete, your likeness on the back of a jersey without your name on it, sold in a bookstore. For those who remember NCAA, the video game, you would literally be playing with yourself. I'm old enough to where I played with myself in a video game. Didn't have my name on the back of the dude running around on the TV screen, but he wore my number. He was my height, my weight. He was my skin color, had my attributes. I didn't get anything from that. Game has changed, fam. It's 2019. This is big business, a global economy. And think about this. The contracts that these schools are signing with these networks, we ain't talking about a couple hundred thousand for them to show the games on a Saturday. We talking about multi-million dollar deals, bro. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Major networks saying, hey, yo, yo, can we show your conference year round? for the next 10 years. And the students don't see any of that. Not to mention, you got colleges, colleges that will put on a game. Fans come in, they support the team. They pay for tickets, go to concessions, buy your jerseys. The coaches, they make money. Even the last person left in the stadium sweeping up the confetti, that dude is on salary. His money is guaranteed, or her money is guaranteed. The only person that doesn't have guaranteed money is the ones that you're there to watch. Now, how crazy does that sound? Hey, man, it's a tricky business, but they gotta stop tricking these college athletes. It's time to wrap this episode with another edition of Quick Outs. This is the part of the show where our guys share quick takes on off-the-field passions, hobbies, and whatever else makes them more than athletes. This week, we're talking to Cole in his new track with Post Malone and Lev on meeting Adrian Peterson for the first time. So, Cole, what's up with this new track? You know, I dropped this song on Post Malone's Wow, and and really, you know, he I tried to reach out to him and kind of give him a heads up, but... Um, you know, I used to have his number. We lost touch. He changed it, and I haven't talked to him in a while since, so I couldn't really get in touch with him. But uh, it was something I did a while back, and I actually wanted to let him hear it a long, long time ago. But um, I haven't dropped anything in a while, and I had it just sitting there, and I was like, you know, what, let me just put something out there for free and let let some people just hear me and haven't heard me in a while. But it was just a fun a fun song to get on, and I uh, actually did it like probably like a week or two after he dropped the song, but I was just kind of. I don't know, I did it for fun, and, and I was going to just give it to him just to sh let him hear it, but um, no, I just hold on, held on to it and, and put it out and, and let the fans enjoy it. I actually just recently linked with a dude 
um, from the Bengals, uh, Andrew Brown, a D lineman from there. And he's actually making all my beats for this next album. So I'm six songs in and all six songs he made the beats. So it's really an NFL connect that I have now. Um, I love what he does and like the key that it's in and his kind of style and what he, he does really fits what I want to do as an artist. And I loved what he did. And I was like, dude, we're going to make an album together. And he was like, all right, cool. Here's Lev on meeting Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I always kind of like talk to like, you know, the player of my position a lot after the game or, you know, sometimes even before the game. I, but the one that kind of stuck out to me, I remember going into my second year, we played uh, the Minnesota Vikings and it was Adrian Peterson on the other side. So that was like a guy who I like, you know, in high school, college, I was like idolizing him. You know, I loved Adrian Peterson. Um, I still love Adrian Peterson. Like he's still great back. He just, you know, obviously on the end of his career. But I remember him just talking to me. He was just like, man, this is like literally going into my second year. So it's not like I had a big year or anything because my second year was like my first big year. And um, he was just told me like, man, I see what you got, bro. Basically telling me like, I'm a special player. Like he was like, man, you, you're a real special player. Um, I can see everything in front of you. Like he was like, I'm nervous for my, my own career stats, you know, saying things like that. Um, giving me all type of confidence because you, you that's a guy I idolized and looked up to and you know, he didn't play in the preseason game and I didn't play in, in that preseason game either. But the fact that he came up to me and talked to me after that game, you know, it made me feel good. I can't even express how it was. So I always kept that conversation in my mind um, and it just helped me, you know, become a better player. So I'm, I'm, in my head, I was thinking like, oh, I ain't gonna let Adrian Peterson down. So I'm gonna keep working, you know, and I'm trying to get better. And, you know, that's definitely the one that kind of stuck out to me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. You can listen to it on demand in SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe. Make sure you get notified when every episode drops. And that's on Thursday, Air Thursday. If you like what you heard, and I know that you do, share the show. Spread the love, fam. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, a.k.a. Nate B. Shout out to my co-hosts, Le'Veon Bell, Cole Beasley, and Jalen Ramsey. This show is produced by Gabe Goodwin, Ben Redman, Mike Midas, Matt Ford, and Paul Idemiller. Sound design and music by Steve Porter. Our executive producer, TD St. Matthew Daniel for Uninterrupted. Special shout out on this episode to Karan Gill, David Merrillis, and Brian Burnham. Hit me up on Twitter, at Nate Burleson, and let me know what you heard. And if you want to hear something else, you feel me? All right. Till next time, it's 17 weeks. Yeah.